Well, we've, um, we've sung praises today. We have um, prayed. We've heard children uh, bring joy to our hearts as we sing. Um, and as they have sung for us, we have declared who God is. We have witnessed answers to, to prayer. Um, and we've heard testimonies of God's good work in our lives. And you see on the screen the title for today's message. And I guess it could be for many of you sitting there right now, it's warning the pastor's going to preach for the next half hour. Um, let's not do that. Um, but we are going to take just a little bit of time to look into God's Word because that is one of the reasons you came today. And um, I don't want you to leave without some of that food in, in your spirit. And there's a technical reason I want to do that too. We just let the kids go to be with Stephanie. And if I send you all out in five minutes, she's going to be incredibly upset with me for taking away her time. So um, you are... Um, by you staying here for a little bit, um, she will appreciate that, and I will appreciate that as well. We are in John's letter, his first letter. We are in chapter, um, chapter 2, I believe. And um, as we have declared um, at the beginning of the worship service, um, that God does in us, as we read in, the, in verse 25, that he has made a promise to us. And that promise is eternal life. That is, that is God's promise. Because of Jesus, as we surrender our life to him, um, the promise that we receive is that we will see him. We will see the lion and the lamb, the one who is the lion and the lamb. We will bow before him. We will come before him with praises. Um, there will be great rejoicing when Jesus we see. So that's the promise we have as followers of Jesus Christ. But John in his letter is um, writing for a specific um, purpose, and that is to warn the church um, to be aware that there is a possibility, in fact, a great probability that um, they are going, people are going to come to them and try to teach them something contrary to what they know and what they have already been taught. And that's what this um, couple paragraphs is all about. Let me, um, let me read them to you uh, and then make a, a couple comments. Children, addressing all of us, not just the ones that were up here on the steps. Children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard, that Antichrist is coming. So now, many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out. That it might become plain that they are not of us. But, but you, you have been anointed by the Holy One. 
and you have all knowledge. Let me, let me back that up. Got a better reading here. You are anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. You don't have all knowledge. It's just that you all, as followers of Jesus, have knowledge, the knowledge you need. And I write to you, not because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it. Because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar? But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. This is the Antichrist, the one, he who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you have heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you have heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he made to us eternal life. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you, but the anointing that you have received from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as you have been taught, abide in him. Truth. Truth used to be a little bit more black and white. There were things that we knew to be true. Even growing up, you, uh, if someone tells you, even though you're just learning it, you're just learning uh, math, and someone says to you, two plus two is four, even young kids can understand that because you can put four sticks in front of them and you can remove the two from the two and you can say, if we add the two and two back together, there are now how many sticks? And the kid can count off four. But if somebody comes to that same child and says to them, the circumference of a circle is pi r squared. The child, the child is most likely going to look at that person and respond, pi r square? Pi is not square. Pi is round. They know a certain truth. That was a joke, by the way, and you could laugh even though it's church. You're not helping me here. You know, or at least give me the groan, the dad groan, you know. <laughs> so anyway, but you can give them the truth. You can speak a true thing about the, the area of a circle. Did I say the circumference before? Did you, did I? Teachers, what did I say? I said, okay, it's the area of a circle. I'm not that dumb. Um, dumb, but anyway, the area of a circle there are things that are, take more explanation. And you can actually give that child wrong information. And because of who you are and where you come from and your age or being a teacher, uh, that which you uh, tell the child, they were most likely going to believe. 
when my uh, when Lynn is my, our first daughter was in uh, school, um, she brought home some uh, arithmetic that she was supposed to do, and she did the arithmetic, and um, she showed it to us to check, and it was wrong. It was blatantly wrong. And we said, uh, Trinity, um, this is wrong. And she said, it doesn't matter. I said, what do you mean it doesn't matter? She said, um, the teacher says it doesn't matter what answer we get as long as we feel good about it. Now, I want to trust my daughter that that's what the teacher said. So at the next parent-teacher conference, we brought that thing up. And we said, our daughter says it doesn't matter what answer she gets on the math as long as she feels good about it. And a teacher looked at us and said, yeah, that's true. We want them to feel good about themselves, not so much get the right answer. To which my wife responded, so that yellow circle on the wall, if I say that is green, does that make it green? And he responded, well, if you, if you feel it's green, I guess it's green. Um... I don't know if we took our child out of that school or out of that classroom. Um, but we tried to set Trinity straight, that there are right and wrong answers when it comes to math. And the Apostle John is addressing the church, and he says there are right and wrong answers when it comes to Jesus. There were these uh, ones this, that he terms as the Antichrist. I think in, in Matthew, uh, maybe 25, if I remember correctly, uh, Matthew is, is writing about that um, there are those who are false Christs, pseudo-Christos. They were false Christs. They stand up and they say, I'm Jesus, I'm the Messiah. Those are false Christs. But John uses the word here, those who are against Christ. These, these are people who stand in the face of Jesus and say, what you know about Jesus is a, is a lie. And John says, you really need, need to be um, watching out for these people. And here's part of the danger that was with us. These people were part of the church in Jerusalem. The, what we might call the apostolic church. That's where the, the um, disciples of Jesus first stayed and, and developed that church. And John says that these people were part of that. He doesn't say these people are coming out of your church. It says he went out from us. John was part of that church. He, they went out from us. And the danger is here is you, um, I'll, I'll pick on Charles since he was up here. He's a Bible teacher, went to school, teaches at James Valley. And he could very well come up here and exposit a portion of scripture for you, a very, maybe a very difficult portion, and he could exposit it wrong. And there are a lot of people in this room will say, well, if Charles said it, it must be right. We don't have what it takes maybe to understand whether he is speaking truth or error. That goes to speak to the need of all of us to be in God's word. 
to be able to discern it. And what John says here is you have knowledge. As followers of Jesus, as those who have surrendered their lives to Jesus, you have knowledge. You, you know who Jesus is. You know who the Father is. But there are these ones that he calls antichrists that are going to come and try to convince you that Jesus is not the Messiah. In fact, that Jesus as a Messiah really didn't even exist. Well, maybe there was a guy named Jesus. And maybe he did good things, but he wasn't the son of God. In fact, they're going to go as far as, as saying that God doesn't even exist. Jesus told the disciples, they questioned, when will you show us the Father? And Jesus responded and he said, um, have I been with you so long and you don't understand that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And like the area of a circle... They may have left scratching their heads, saying, we don't fully understand. But as they continue to follow Jesus, as they experience the crucifixion and his resurrection and his post-resurrection appearances and teachings, they begin to understand more and more who Jesus is. But there are going to arise within the church those who say that Jesus is not who he said he was. And John says these people are coming. They may already be in your midst. It's interesting to note here that when John kind of very quickly passes over the one that we would call, what the church calls, the Antichrist, the, the, the man of, of, of hatred and... Um, anger, and the one who will come, the book of Revelation says, that will come at the end of times and, uh, and deceive the world. But John really doesn't deal with that person so much. He says, that's coming. There is one who is coming, who is that Antichrist. But you need to understand, John says, there are Antichrists in your midst right now. Sometimes I think the church gets very caught up in the book of Revelation and the things that are going to happen at the end. But John says, yes, that's going to happen, but it's happening right now. We can get so caught up. One Bible teacher uh, said years ago, we can... Um, be so heavenly minded that we are of no earthly good. And so John warns his readers, says, watch out, they are here. And he mentions the, um, the last hour. And if you as a long-term follower of Jesus ever wondered that John says, or even Jesus says that, you know, the coming of God's kingdom is now, it's among us. And John says, the last hour is here. And now 2,000 years later, we ask the question, that's a long hour. And the, the best picture I've come up with is that you have gone to a play and you have watched the acts and the, um, uh, the various scenes take place and 
At the end of the, the almost to the, the penultimate scene, the curtains are closed. And you can sit out in the audience and you hear the noise going on behind the curtains. The scene is being changed. And you are waiting. And there comes a point where the scene is set. The actors are in place. Maybe in the wings. Maybe sitting in a chair. And then after a moment of silence, the curtains part. And the last scene is open before us. And I think lots of times that's what we're, we're waiting for. The curtain is closed on the last scene. We, we hear rumblings behind the curtain. Things are being moved. We may even hear voices softly in the wings, rehearsing lines. And the day will come when God will open up the curtain. And we will witness the last scene. Jesus will come. We will meet him. We will bow our knees before him. So John uh, tells his readers, um, work to know the difference between truth and falsehood. Work to know the difference between light and dark. Body of Christ, God, by his spirit, has given you what you need to know. He has given you his word. He has given you teachers and preachers of the word. And the two things we need to remember as we move forward, two things of all the other things we need to remember is you need to be people of the word. You've got to have your nose in the book. It'll be hard to discern truth from error if you're not in this book. And you have chosen the right thing, so many of you. So many of you have been part of Bethesda for a long time. But you have chosen a church, a body of believers, a local fellowship that believes diligently in God's word and wants to see it taught rightly. And over and over again, it's come to me that what this church desires, one of the top things, if not the top things of the new pastor you are searching for, is he has to be a man who believes in and preaches this word. If you find that guy, you will have what you need. You will have what you need. Let's pray. hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy, dot org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.